all cats and boyfriends have to sit down and be quiet <laughs> for the next hour. <laughs> Now we can start the podcast. Welcome to another episode of Midlight Crisis, a real podcast hosted by three grown adults revisiting books from our teens, and it's totally cool. My name is Sophie. I am one of the hosts, which I seem to need to specify every time (laughs) while I'm playing for time to open the other tab I need to open. (laughs) I have a randomly generated YA title, though. To go with my name, which is Sophie. <laughs> Wait, what was your name? So my name is Sophie. Wait, I didn't quite catch it. Yeah, it's fine. You know what? The only thing that matters is this randomly generated YA title, True. which you can refer to me as for the rest of the show. Okay. And it is a millennial of empires and ruin. Dang. <laughs> Damn. Damn. <laughs> so this is like the summary of all of those millennial think pieces that are like, millennials are ruining golf. Millennials are ruining avocados. My favorite is, why aren't millennials buying diamonds? Like, <laughs> oh my god. I can't afford avocados. You think I can afford a diamond? My empire for an avocado. My empire of avocados. Yeah. I don't own a house, but I have 10,000 avocados. <laughs> Accurate. If only you hadn't bought those 10,000 avocados, if then only. you could have bought a house. The Foolish. real problem is that they all ripened at the same time. Ah! So much guacamole, though. So much guac. <laughs> I just sleep in it. Okay. <laughs> Who are you guys? My name is Sam, in case you've forgotten. And <laughs> my YA title of today is A Wound of Sheep. And Midnight Sun. Oh, oh no! Oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure you're gonna get copyright striked for that title. Can't have Midnight Sun in there. Oh, <laughs> Stephanie Meyer's gonna come for you. A wound of sheep and midnight sun. Yeah, <laughs> fixed it. A wound of sheep. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just envision like uh, a rate sheep i think yeah. a lot of things is just being a rate right now with my current mental state so there's just like a lot of angry things yeah <laughs> it almost feels like a wound is like the name of a group of animals yeah <laughs> oh my god we yeah. say this a lot but <laughs> i mean a wound of sheep sounds like something you would hear like in whales <laughs> you know like small town whales like that's what they call it yeah i was thinking like in ravka they would call it that Oh, yeah, maybe. Definitely. Yes, I support that. You know, it could just be that because both of you are watching the new Shadow and Bone TV show. It might be, yes. (laughs) Uh, Excuse you, I have finished the new Shadow and Bone show. Thank you very much. (laughs) It was way better than the books, shockingly. Yeah, it was great. Better than the Shadow and Bone series, not as good as the Six of Crows series. Yeah, exactly. Which is kind of what I expected. Anyway... I saw one gif of Jesper, not to be confused mm. with Jasper, and uh-huh. I'm on board. Jasper yeah. was perfection. Like, mwah. So good. So good. The crows were cast perfectly. Yeah. Oh, man. Impeccable. But those aren't the books we're talking about. Yeah. So- <laughs> God, can you imagine if we did this podcast about Shadow and Bone? 
<laughs> oh, I think I found our next book. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I, I refuse. refuse. True. Absolutely not. Fair. Yes. And I... Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am one of the people who will never read Shadow and Bone again. And my name is <laughs> Hannah. And my randomly generated YA title for today is The Demon of Collectors and Bone. Whoa. I love, I I love, love that. Oh, it's pretty hardcore. Man. I want to read that. I'd read it. I want that demon to be my pet. Well. 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 <laughs> well. Well. That's something we might need to unpack later. Oh. <laughs> the bone collector is a court of mist and fury thing, isn't it? Uh, the bone carver, yeah. Carver, okay. Yeah. It's like, wasn't that a thing? Yeah, he gets introduced in a court of mist and fury. There we okay. go. I was Yee. like, something in my brain is screaming Sarah J. Mass. <laughs> I mean, this does sound like a Sarah J. Mass, but it, it super yes. does. Yep. Unfortunately, uh, the yeah. only demon we have is Edward yep. and possibly James. <laughs> We've talked about two series that are not the ones we're reading. So yeah. let's talk about the ones we're reading. <laughs> yeah. The Sam. I don't want to. and yet here we are (laughs) and yet (laughs) yet okay so i mean this chapter hurt a lot it's called goodbyes in case anyone needed to know and um i know we aren't a huge fan of charlie on this podcast but like bella cut him so deep and it just hurt me so deep in my soul but anyways, other than the hurtful goodbye, not much else happens beside everyone meeting up at the Cullens, chatting with Laurent, and starting the plan to keep Bella safe, which they ended up going with her idea, which was obviously the best idea because it's Bella. Anyways, Hannah, what happened in Midnight Sun? Edward is with Bella throughout this chapter, so we don't really get any extra full scenes, although the actions of the other vampires are fleshed out a little bit. And Edward thinks through an interesting analysis of why it would have been much better to have simply started the fight at the baseball field when it could have happened right off the bat rather than trying to run. And there's also some insight into Laurent's thought processes and why he decides to leave from there and go to Denali by himself. Namely that he is afraid of James hunting him down once he's done with Bella and he wants to be around a large coven that can protect him. Fun. I appreciated for the first time this midnight sun chapter yeah because while i was reading it i was like man why didn't they just fight him at the beginning like why didn't they just fight him in the field it would have been so much easier Mm -hmm. and literally like three paragraphs after i thought that edward answered it and i was like hell yeah oh this is what this book was supposed to be (laughs) answering the questions that came up after i read twilight yep yep nice not just a rage fest about a creepy obsessive stalker vampire. Oh, yeah. Man. And I mean the the his rationale is kind of dicey cuz it's basically just Carlisle wouldn't like it. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> like they knew pretty much immediately this is where it was going to lead. So they should have just done it. <laughs> but anyway, I figured it was like a panic response of we can't fight Bella will die we need to run. And then afterwards, with, like, hindsight being like, oh, that was the wrong choice. Uh, Like, should have done that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We do get the first, I think, official time, at least in Twilight, where it is explained how a vampire can be killed. 
Mm-hmm. And it is, quote, the only way to be sure that the vampire is dead is to tear him to shreds and then burn the pieces, which we do know from later on in the books. But it occurred to me that that is just like so extra, <laughs> like just <laughs> morbid. I have such an important question about this part. Okay. <laughs> do they, they have to tear them apart? And then burn the pieces? Is it because they're like f***ing echinoderms and each piece is going to regrow <laughs> yes. into a whole vampire? <laughs> oh, God. Oh. <laughs> I don't think it's like that, but I think it's like the, the, the zombie aspect where you like cut pieces off and they are all like mobile on their own. Like, I'm pretty sure if you just like take all the pieces away, they all find their way back to each other. That's sort of what I was thinking. Yeah. I hate that. Yeah. I actually prefer my echinoderm <laughs> theory more. I mean, yeah, that would be hilarious because then it's just a bunch of asexual vampire reproduction and then the problems of Breaking Dawn would be a lot better. Can you imagine just like <laughs> just like a regular sized Edward arm <laughs> with like the tiny rest of his body growing back? <laughs> oh my god, it's like Deadpool when he loses his hand. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I'm on board with this. Okay, so echinoderms will only grow back from a limb or grow back their limbs if they have a piece of the central disc on that dismembered segment. Yeah. So which part of the vampire is the central disc? (laughs) Also, if any of our millions of fans don't know what an echinoderm is, it's like a sea star or an urchin, you know. Or a sea cucumber. Sea cucumber. Or a brittle star. Yeah, lots of sand things. dollars. Yeah. yeah. We're thinking of sea stars, basically, yeah. at this moment. I was trying to remember the word for sand dollar, and I could not. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Yes, those. Yes. What is the central disc, though? Because on a sea star, it's, like, pretty obvious. It's got the five points all on that disc in the middle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess, like, the torso? The heart? I was thinking, like, brain? I was also thinking that, yeah. But then... Oh. Then then our theory... Yeah, then it wouldn't work. (laughs) Well, then if you rip their head off, it can just regrow a tiny little body. What happens if you just leave a pile of a shredded vampire? Like, you you shred this vampire, you leave it in a pile, but you don't burn it. Like, what happens? It, like, vibrates back together. Or maybe somebody has to put it back together. Because they can put things back on when they get ripped off. But then how does their skin, like, the diamond skin just, like, re-knits itself? How can they do that if they're not producing new cells? I have it in my head that you use vampire venom as an adhesive to put a vampire back together. I do oh not God. know I mean, where that, that came from. Sense. It might be canonical. It, I might have read a fan fiction once upon a time. I have no idea. But in my head, in order to put a vampire back together, you have to, like, spit on the bits and then <laughs> stick them together like pottery. Oh, my God. Wouldn't the bits already have, like, if they're just a bag of vampire venom, wouldn't the bits already have mm-hmm. venom on them? Uh... Maybe the venom coagulates if the circulatory system isn't working? Because they ha- we yeah. decided... That they have, like, a capillary-based circulatory system, right? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's, like, when it's in the vampire, it's, like, super viscous. So it doesn't, like, Mm -hmm. all fall out. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and it's only when it like is in a human blood yeah <laughs> that it diffuses yeah <laughs> listen mm-hmm. i mm-hmm. don't want to think about uh, that anymore because it's gonna end up somewhere i don't want to talk about it. anyway um i want to ask about the utility of burning okay okay so if you can put a vampire back together mm-hmm. after it has been ripped apart unless it has been burned mm-hmm. is that because of a chemical reaction with the vampire material like does it chemically change it so that they can't get put back together like like if you shredded or, it into like itty bitty pieces they could just come back together i don't know if they can come back together autonomously then even if you shredded it eventually it would come back together but if someone has to reassemble it and you shredded yeah. it to tiny pieces that might be difficult to figure out where they all go like a terrible puzzle <laughs> I guess vampires have a lot of time. Also, I've just Googled the melting point of a diamond. Okay. Because Ooh. we've established there are diamonds, uh-huh. right? Yeah. That's, uh-huh. that's, uh-huh. that's what we've gone. The melting point of diamond is 4,027 degrees Celsius. Oh my God. That's pretty high, huh? I think that is impossible to get to with just an open flame. Gotta be. Yeah. And it says, in the absence of oxygen, diamonds can be heated to much higher temperatures. Well, diamonds can burn. Like, it might not melt, it might just combust. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, fast facts. In non-oxidizing conditions under normal pressure, diamonds can be heated to 1900 degrees Celsius. In non-oxidizing conditions at extremely high pressure... It's 3,500 degrees Celsius, and it's no oxygen. It's 4,027 degrees Celsius. So if you put it in a vac, if you put a vampire in a vacuum, that's how much, that's the melting point. (laughs) But in just normal ambient conditions, the melting point of a vampire is 1,900 degrees Celsius. Dang. But if you were trying to just burn it. Yeah. In an atmosphere of pure oxygen, diamond has an ignition point as low as 690 degrees Celsius. So if you uh, had, if you had like the right environment, you could burn a vampire with like a welding torch. Yeah. So like, it's weird that you have to tear him to pieces and then burn him. Like, could you not just burn, burn it? it? It would burn faster if you increase the surface area, right? Like a lot of things that aren't necessarily flammable become flammable under like normal conditions if the surface area is small enough. Like flour. Flour can explode. Right. (laughs) I think in the Breaking Dawn movie, they do do that. For some reason, I have a memory of them like just torching vampires that are like completely whole still and then like ripping their head off. But I could be remembering things wrong. They definitely do it once they've ripped the head off. Like, they don't rip it into tiny pieces. They just rip it into two pieces and then burn it. Yeah. Strange. Maybe it's just too easy for a vampire to stop, drop, and roll if you don't rip its head off first. Yeah, it can just, like, (laughs) teleport to the nearest ocean. (laughs) Yep. Bye. Like Laurent is going to do when he leaves the Cullen. His plan is to run straight into the ocean. (laughs) And just keep going. We did uh, speculate in an earlier episode if vampires can smell underwater. Yeah. And according to this chapter, a vampire is untraceable by scent in the water. 
Oh, so, oh, I didn't pick up that on that. sort of answers that question. Yeah, me neither. It was Great. just like a single line, but it said ocean, so I paid more attention because I'm predictable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, fair. Another fun thing in this chapter is, uh-huh. well, fun for me. <laughs> if we can figure out how good a vampire's hearing is, we can. Isn't that great, guys? <laughs> Aren't uh, you excited? Yep. For the math that I did. <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. Okay, so <laughs> there is a part in this book where they bring Bella back to the Cullen house. And Edward is listening for when James, like, gets into position. And while they are discussing what to do with Bella, he says James was just outside of hearing range of their conversation. And then he says he's about three miles out. Oh. So. Oh. <laughs> uh-huh. So, yeah, here's where I started. Three miles is about 4.8 kilometers. And a normal human level of conversation is 60 decibels. I'm assuming they're talking at like a normal human level because Bella can hear the conversation. Mm-hmm. So they're not whispering. They don't specify that they're whispering. Nothing like that. Mm-hmm. So 60 decibels. Assuming three miles is like just past the range. At three miles, the sound of that conversation will be somewhere between negative 14 decibels and negative 15 decibels. Oh. Yeah. So they're probably like less than that, not much. So probably around like negative 12, which is how far they can hear, which means that puts them lower than like quite a few animals. Yeah, that's not as <laughs> or I guess higher as I was expecting. Yeah. So I literally could not find the source that I used last time about <laughs> owl hearing. <laughs> I could not find it again. I have no idea what I Googled or what I looked at because I could not find anywhere (laughs) that had the same number. I did find a paper that stated that barn owls, when they're younger, they can hear better when they're older. But barn owls could hear about to negative 20 at their best. Hmm. So, yeah. I mean, not much has better hearing than owls. Right. When you when you discuss like hearing capabilities of animals, people seem to care more about the frequency that they can hear. Like people mm-hmm. love to be like, oh, like dogs can hear way outside of the frequency that humans can hear. But it's not actually talking about like loudness. It's talking about, yeah, just the frequency, like higher or lower frequency. Yeah. So I really couldn't find a lot about what can hear quieter sounds. Interesting. I yeah. only specifically Googled owls. <laughs> That's fair. But yeah, because I, I sort of expected, I mean, the idea is probably that vampires should be better than any living creature at everything. You would but think. yeah, this, this puts them like below what owls are. So they are vampires. But what frequency can vampires hear at? This is such an important question, and I'm so glad you asked it. Okay. <laughs> No, not really. No. The only thing I had was because we've sort of, you know, put vampires into the Lepidopteran family, mm-hmm. <laughs> the butterflies and moths. Yes. Mm-hmm. The animal with the best hearing, i.e. the widest range in terms of frequency, mm-hmm. is a moth. The oh. greater wax moth can hear okay. up to 300 kilohertz. 
Oh, jeez. Humans can only hear to 20. Yeah. So, yeah. Specifically for this moth, it's thought that they can hear that high because it's like an arms race with bats. Yeah. To be able to avoid their echolocation. I remember that in Silverwing. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Do you know how low they can hear? Just because I worked with baleen whales, which like don't really get above like 100 hertz unless you're a humpback. (laughs) Oh, no, I didn't write down how low it gets. Sorry. That's fine. They could probably hear a blue whale. <laughs> you know what? I'll Google it. I want to know if the moth can hear a blue whale. Yes. Okay. I also want to know this. This is important. It's very important information. The lowest, I guess, confirmed blue whale tonal call is typically around 9 or 10 hertz. It specifically says that they have selective pressure to be able to detect high frequency sound. Yeah. So I don't think the lower frequency is no, as low. No it's Yeah, it says they can hear, they use the 30 to 100 hertz range for communication. So. Okay. Cool. Oh my God. What? <laughs> what? They use that range because they're actually a parasite on bees. What? Honeybees. Oh no. And honeybees don't produce sound in that range. So they can't hear the moths coming. Oh, that's actually terrifying. This is why I hate moths. <laughs> this is why you hate vampires. This is why I hate parasites. Yes. Yeah. Damn. Great. So we hate this. <laughs> yep. I mean, if you think about it, vampires are a parasite. <laughs> they yes, are. We did and establish so are this, this. These moths. Yeah. Cool. So is a vampire actually just a moth? Is that is that the the I biology we're conclusion. going with? Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure that's what we're doing. Okay. That's what we've established. Chill. Oh God, is the vampire like parasite that infects humans like a moth on a honeybee oh. larva? What <laughs> kind of moth it. was this again? A wax? The greater wax moth. Wax moth. That wax moth. So vampires are just like a subspecies or closely related species of the. Wax moth, maybe? Oh, no. I I just, I feel like there are many moths that uh-uh. do this. This one just had a fun frequency fact. <laughs> yes, okay. <laughs> anyway, that's the math I did. That's some good math. I am surprised that they can't hear quieter sounds. Right? It's very interesting. And, like, considering I didn't account for the fact that there's, like, walls and trees. Yeah. Like, they probably have worse hearing than that. Yeah. Well, it would probably be better because those things would dampen the sound, right? So if some of the sound is being dampened and he can still hear it three oh, miles right. away, then Great the hearing point. is better. It's not like they're underwater where sound travels better. <laughs> no. You know, maybe the problem is that they their hearing range is in the high frequency. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's why they can't hear well underwater. Well, high-frequency sounds attenuate a lot faster than low-frequency sounds. That's why a lot of baleen whales use really low-frequency sounds, because they can travel a lot farther before they get attenuated in the salt water. So maybe the mm-hmm. like sound waves are just kind of getting caught up in all of the very dense foliage around their house and not getting as far as they could if they were like in the clearing still. True. But still, we found at least yeah. a, a good starting point. It's like our, with how fast vampires can run. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're getting there. Slowly. Somewhere between a very reasonable number and a wholly unreasonable one. <laughs> yes, exactly. 
the only other math I did was to check that Edward was not lying when he said the Jeep Wrangler could not outpace James. Mm-hmm. I did check and a top speed of a Jeep Wrangler is 180 kilometers per hour, which is 50 meters per second, unless you mod it extensively, at which point it's 200 kilometers per hour, which is still only 55 meters per second. Oh. So well below what a vampire can do. <laughs> Good to know. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's what I did. Uh-huh. I love it when you do math. I should honestly, I should say I super don't understand how sound works. I am like barely understanding the math I'm doing. If I got it wrong, which is entirely possible. (laughs) Who knows? The podcast isn't peer reviewed. We don't know. No. Thank God. (laughs) Can you imagine? Oh my God. I mean, I guess our peers are the only ones who listen to it. Yeah. It's being reviewed by peers. Yeah. If you listen to this podcast and don't know us in real life, please let us know, because that would be really exciting. It would be. (laughs) Please don't listen to my math in case it's wrong, though. Just skip this part. Just skip that part. (laughs) Yeah. The only notes I had for the Twilight chapter were how much it sucked that Edward made light of what Bella had to do. I know. To Charlie. Uh, Like, yeah, I, I don't like Charlie, but... She was so mean to him. Yeah. In context, she says the exact same thing her mom said to him when she left Forks and left him. Mm-hmm. She uses the same words. Oh, painful. Yeah. That did sort of make me wonder, like, how Bella knows them. Is that just a thing that's come up with her mom? Like, over dinner? Hey, what were the last words you ever said? to my dad before you left him and took me and moved to the other side of the country. How old was Bella when Renee left? She was pretty young, wasn't she? I don't don't actually know that. Let me flip through my Twilight book and see if I can find anything. Because I feel like if you were like six or seven or older, you'd remember that kind of thing would just like be in your brain. Nope, it says on the very first page of Twilight, it was from this town and its gloomy, omnipresent shade that my mother escaped with me when I was only a few months old. Ah, yep. Yeah, so she'd have no idea. (laughs) She'd have no idea. I mean, it could be one of those things where, like, trying to assuage some of the guilt, her mom said, like, I was so mean to Charlie, like, here's what I said. You know, like, that could have been a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. Well, given how close their relationship is, it doesn't surprise me. Like, my mom's told me some stuff about, like, the start of her and my dad dating and stuff. Not, like, specifics like that. Yeah. But, like, I don't think it's completely, totally out of the realm of possibilities of a mother and daughter, like, talking about it. Yeah, that's true. And there is a very deliberate framing of Renee as, like, a very immature mother who would rather be Bella's friend than her parent yeah Yeah. which also is like that doesn't surprise me then if that's something that she told Bella yeah yeah that's a really good point yeah yeah it just sucks that like trying to get her out of her like misery at having Mm -hmm. to say that to Charlie Mm -hmm. yeah but uh, Edward's like wow I didn't realize you were so bored with small town life it's like oh (laughs) you 
fucking dick. I could not believe he actually said that. I was yeah. just like, you, like you're you're pretty you're pretty awful. But like, are you, you you're that much of an insensitive dick? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was just like, this is not what to do. You read the fucking room, Edward. Read the room. But we've established you're an obtuse man, so like, whatever. But oh, it was just, it annoyed me very much. So. While it's happening, there's, like, a paragraph where he says, like, I have made Bella this hellish place, right? Like, like he knew what she was going through. And then mm-hmm. he goes ahead and says this. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Being like, oh, that wasn't so bad. Like, ha, 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 ha. It's like, shut the fuck up, Edward. <laughs> Such an idiot, man. <laughs> Not actually dick. reassuring. Thank you. Maybe if he couldn't read minds, I might give him, like, just the <laughs> tiniest bit of like well he didn't really know what she'd said like the impact of it but he literally does <laughs> yeah he was in charlie's head as bella was yeah. saying this to him Edward <sighs> just lacks emotional intelligence this man yeah. does not know how to read a room he cannot read a person's emotions he's just he's dumb in the respect of emotional intelligence <laughs> yeah just so bad it's wild that he has so much insight because of the aforementioned mind reading yeah. and still doesn't seem to have the capacity for empathy. Yeah. Like, you yeah. can't imagine how anybody else would feel about something, even when, with the single exception of Bella, yeah. he can literally hear how people feel and react to things. Mm-hmm. It's a very interesting disconnect. Like, how did he manage to avoid developing like finer tuned empathy he doesn't like killing people when he's in their head because that's a bummer it's like okay well that's like the bar is on the floor there edward (laughs) (laughs) yeah because it it would almost be like maybe his mind reading just like doesn't give any emotion right like Mm -hmm. maybe he can hear the tone of the words but he just like because like he doesn't get the feelings Mm -hmm. that go along with it yeah, otherwise he and Jasper would just, like, be able to do the same thing, kind of. True. Yeah. But, like, yeah. literally this ch- this paragraph about Charlie, it's like, the words seemed simple enough, but crushing anguish speared Charlie through where he stood. It's like, okay, so you, like, know that. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, that doesn't even make sense. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> Edward, the dummy. Edward. Yeah, such a dummy. Yeah. Such a dummy. Maybe because this chapter wasn't them doing it in the past chapter, like where they just completely ignored Bella. But I actually found <laughs> the Alice and Edward co-op powers yeah, very cool at the beginning of this chapter. Yes. It felt very like spy-esque. Like it was very cool. Yeah. Edward actively being like i'm gonna think about this thing Mm -hmm. and see how it changes alice's future vision yeah right and then them working through that and being like okay no and then he's like okay i'm gonna make this decision instead what happens now that's wild (laughs) it's like a really overpowered uh set of abilities yeah (laughs) op 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 yeah it almost suggests that edward has the ability to like 100 percent be behind a decision yeah mm-hmm. even though he knows he's only doing it to see what alice gets out of it mm-hmm. that must have taken some practice <laughs> one can only assume 
It's like Jack's compass in um, Pirates of the Caribbean. It's like, how did you, how do you know what you want most in the world at all times? Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> no, it's like, I, I, well, at one point I really want ice cream. And like, yeah. Jack, sometimes I want rum. Actually, I hate rum. Um, <laughs> but it's like, yeah. So it's like, how do you get so good at like, blocking out every other possibility in your brain and like only focusing on like no I'm gonna make this decision I don't know about you guys but like I feel like my brain sometimes works on like five different levels like I think out five different situations at the same time I wouldn't know how to like hone in on like yeah I'm gonna make this one decision because I yeah. overthink the five other decisions that I could make mm-hmm. yeah he's been developing that skill instead of emotional intelligence there, yeah that's yeah. where all of his uh, brain yeah. power goes into it took him a century oh my god i mean to be fair to him that would probably take a lot of practice yeah Yeah. kind of personal thought manipulation but how long has he known alice for not oh yeah that long in the grand scheme of his life they met after they left forks the first time yeah which was like 70 years or something previously but that's okay even if we say it's been like fifty years, that's that's still a while. Yeah, that, yeah, that, yes, yes. Still a long time. Yep, quite a long time. Yep, yep, yep. Um, I did one other deep dive. <laughs> okay, just like it's just like a fun fact to uh-huh. add to our uh, vampire biology. Okay, okay, concept. So there's this part near the end where Edward says, when he has to leave Bella, he says, it felt as though all the cells in my body were dying off one by one as I set her back on her feet. (laughs) So in the human body, Uh cells die all the time. Constantly. (laughs) All the time, constantly. Uh Because if your cells don't die, it's like a thing called controlled cell death. Or apoptosis. Mm-hmm. If your cells don't die, that's how you get cancer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But some cells don't die ever, and they are called the HeLa cells. Oh my god! Oh my oh god! No. So <laughs> yeah. Well, I just want to say <laughs> no. that there there's only one kind of cell that doesn't have apoptosis happen in it from a cervical tumor from a woman named Henrietta Lacks. Uh, that were taken without her consent yeah. and if you want to learn more about that i suggest reading the immortal life of henrietta Lacks. Yeah. yeah yeah it's a really good book definitely read it but these cells don't have apoptosis occurring so they can still continue with every other cell thing that they do they are just immortal <laughs> so i suggest that this is the pathway that is occurring in vampire cells yeah They've just lost the process of controlled cell death. Yeah, that seems very reasonable to me. And then they never die. <laughs> Remember when we were talking about when Edward showered and then I got really <laughs> fixated on whether or not he lost hair and like yeah, what would uh-huh. happen? So I guess it kind of fits with that, right? What I can't remember what our conclusion was from that episode. I think it was just that they don't lose hair. Yeah. Yeah, because it's also diamond strength, right? Mm-hmm. I think so, yeah. So these are just like diamond strength HeLa cells? Well, they're, yeah, they're not specifically the HeLa cells. Yeah, they yeah, just, yeah. I would assume that they have lost the same 
pathway. Right. Just like a bag of diamond immortal cells. <laughs> That's gross. Why would you say that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just like in the same. So I on the apoptosis. I don't know if I'm saying that right. It's been a while since I took a cell biology class. <laughs> in the controlled cell death <laughs> pathway on the page of Wikipedia that I was looking at, there's like one paragraph about the pathway that is inhibited in HeLa cells. Mm-hmm. And the first part of the, the paragraph is talking about that. And then it's talking about a virus that can induce uh-uh. apoptosis in that pathway oh. afterward. So like, it's a thing that they can <laughs> like the, a pathway they can add in to like oh. reverse it. Yeah. And I just find it hilarious that if this is the pathway in vampires, the virus <laughs> that could counteract it is the canine distemper virus. Oh. Just <laughs> like the werewolves. Yeah. Oh. Oh. I like yeah. that. This goes Isn't back into the question of, is Stephanie Meyer secretly a secretly genius? Secretly a genius. Or is this all just a really weird coincidence yeah. that we're happening upon? Or are we just going way too in-depth? It's that one. That one. It's that one. <laughs> finding Ooh. coincidences wherever we could see them oh my god yeah i just like i did a double take when i was reading the paragraph i was like wait i need to understand what's going on here because we were i was thinking about how it's a vampire and then now it says canine and now i need wow. to know damn that's yeah. so interesting we need it's to fun. remember this for when we write our treatise on vampire biology <laughs> yeah for sure. yeah that's an important one i wrote it down in my notes anyway Perfect. yeah that was just a fun thing. Yeah, that's so cool. Man, I love those coincidences. They're, yeah. <laughs> they're my favorite. The thing, is, the thing is, though, is we're coming upon so many of them that, like, <laughs> I'm really yeah. having a hard time just, like, there's no way Stephanie Meyer was this smart. There's no way. Like, No. I think we're just crowbarring sense into this thing, <laughs> but I'm yeah. having a great time. Yeah, it's, it's great. very fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the, like... <laughs> If you put an infinite number of monkeys in front of an infinite number of typewriters, eventually one of them will come up with Twilight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. true. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I love probability. Oh, man. Uh, I don't like stats, but yep. I'm glad you do. <laughs> I mean, some days I don't. <laughs> so I had completely forgotten that Laurent like went home with the Cullens, even though I think they said it in the last chapter that he was going to go back (laughs) with them. It like completely caught me off guard when they got to the Cullen house and he was there. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) You know, (laughs) Uh it's been two weeks since we read the last chapter. Yeah. I was reading other things in between. Um, But he just kind of is there, delivers some exposition and like makes his exit. But he's like been around for 300 years and has lived in castles and like joined James's coven for protection and then just like pieces out. And once again, like this is almost impressive that like once again Stephanie Meyer has created a side character who I would so much rather read about <laughs> than Bella and Edward. I'm like so I want true. like why has a vampire been living in castles and like how did he get from there to wandering around the woods of North America in a windbreaker. Yeah. With a former serial killer. Yeah, like, what's his story? 
<laughs> Tell us more about that. <laughs> I want to know about this guy. That's, <laughs> you know, the, the joke that was like still a better love story than Twilight. Yeah. yeah. I think we need to change it to just a better story than Twilight. Twilight. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this would be a better story than Twilight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Just every side character. I want to know more. Yeah. They're all so interesting compared to Edward. Yeah. But there's a point where Laurent questions if Bella is worth all of the effort that the Cullens are going to, and Edward reacts very calmly. No. Uh, (laughs) 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 He reacts very aggressively. Um, And between the two books, Laurent's reaction to Edward's reaction is described as cringing in Twilight and sliding into a submissive posture in Midnight Sun. So this is the vampire biology that I was thinking about. Okay. Which is what would specify a submissive posture for a vampire. Because we've already established that a lot of their mannerisms are a lot more, for lack of a better term, like feral than a human's body language. Mm -hmm. Because like, you you know what a submissive human does, right? Like you show your hands, you don't make aggressive eye contact, you try to like make pleasing facial expressions so that the other person isn't mad at you yeah and is it the same for a vampire or do they like lean more into other animalistic submissive postures yeah i i think because like only because from bella's perspective it was also like called cringing Mm -hmm. right like i imagine the typical human reaction like you like hunch over right like you're crouched yeah. a little bit you know that's that's what i pictured okay i don't know how that would make sense as like a vampire thing mm-hmm. i mean i guess you could you could argue like head down you're kind of hiding your weapons right because like that's a thing mm-hmm. that animals do where they like close their mouth or something mm-hmm. to like hide their teeth <laughs> yeah i was looking or trying to find examples of submissive body language and like some animals that I thought like could be applicable. I looked at chimpanzees, mantle lions, and bears. Mm-hmm. I mean, chimpanzees are just more aggressive just primates. Terrifying. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, do not like the them. The most terrifying animal. Oh, they freak me out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then mantle lion and bears. But basically with all predators, like including humans, a submissive posture is basically just I make myself smaller and more vulnerable, and I don't look directly at you. Yeah. Which kind of leads to the question of, like, if you are trying to be, like, very submissive to a a vampire as a vampire, and you want to, like, show your vulnerable spots, which part of a vampire is the most vulnerable? I mean, probably their back, right? Hmm. Yeah. Because, like, they have the same range of motion that humans do. So, like... It's going to be their hands and their teeth that are their main weapon. And they can't, like, spin their head around like Because <laughs> the thought of that just gave me nightmares. <laughs> so I'm assuming, like, to keep it within the cringing kind of frame, right? Like, mm-hmm. if you if you offset your body so that you're not facing them head on, that means, mm-hmm. like, you're not at your best, right? Like, you don't have all your right. weapons out front. So that maybe that... <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. Thinking yeah. about this too hard now. <laughs> well, I was going to say, normal vampire lore, it would probably be the chest, because usually it's like a stake mm. through the heart. Or I oh, guess yeah. the back is the same in that sense. 
yeah, you can get to a heart from the back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My point was usually that would be like the most vulnerable thing as far as like from normal vampire lore, but <laughs> Twilight vampires aren't normal. They're moths. <laughs> um, so... Does that mean if you're a non-Twilight vampire and you come across a vampire that's more threatening to you or than you, the <laughs> The way you display submission is you, like, rip open your shirt. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that checks with a lot of the horny vampire books. Oh, Oh, man. (laughs) Are horny vampire book authors also secretly genius? I mean, sometimes I wonder. Yeah. I mean, I... Every time we talk about horny vampires, I just am, like, bowled over again with the concept of, like, what is the best predator for a human? Something that's super sexy. And I'm like, yeah. it is. It it's is. so true. 100%. Uh-huh. Like d- nothing else. Just make it super hot. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's the best predator. Yep. Yep. And make so it they sparkle. Are. Yeah. They are yes. secretly geniuses is yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yep. I've seen advertisements before. You can get someone to do anything if you slap a hot lady on it. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. Anyone not wearing a shirt. Done. (laughs) Before we move on from this, just because I thought it was funny, one of the things that you can use to, like, suss out the dominant structure in chimpanzee troops is who gets groomed the most and who does most of the grooming. So, like, the higher up you are on the totem pole, the less you have to groom others. But if you're, like, at the bottom, you have to spend more of your time grooming those who are more dominant than you. Damn. Laurent just comes in. (laughs) And starts brushing everyone's hair. Right. Picking blow bones out of their hair, and Ed- Edward screams at him. So Laurent comes over and starts shining his shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Edward screams at him, so he comes over and just starts braiding his hair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, I got you. Edward, Edward, and Emmett and Alice burst in with Bella, and Laurent's just giving Carlisle a back rub. <laughs> Oh, this sorry. is it. This is this is the canon right here. That's definitely the best version. That's yeah. the best version. I'm here for it. He slid into a submissive posture, <laughs> brushing Rosalie's hair. Just, yeah. Oh, it's so soft. <laughs> Please don't rip my head off and burn my pieces. Got so many bugs in here. Let me take care of that. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, uh, so good. Great. I love it. Canonize. Canonize that. Yep. 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 Do moths do that is the question. No. What's the social behavior of a moth? They just release a lot of pheromones. Yeah. Uh, Well, I mean, horny vampires. I mean, yep. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's, I don't want to think about that because the way moths like release pheromones is with these like elaborate inflatable pheromone organs uh-huh. that just like kind of like explode outward of their bodies uh-huh. and i just really don't want to think Great. about that re a human body what which part of the body uh usually the butt yeah okay <laughs> the butt part <laughs> i just keep thinking that we didn't we establish that when edward kisses bella 
there's something that like because his, his breath smells really good to her oh yeah right and it so always I'm makes think- her pass out yeah so i'm like so, now now i'm imagining the structures like exploding out of his throat <laughs> that's what i'm doing oh, God. <laughs> like a horrible sarlacc yeah <laughs> wait you made the biology reference and i made the star wars reference uh, sophie i'm so oh. proud of you <laughs> Uh, We're what correcting hath- her. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, what hath this podcast rot? <laughs> well, I think that's a show. I think that's a show too. Yep. Let's guess what happens next time. Oh yeah. So I'm hoping because they're two different titles. Yeah. We get two different stuffs happening. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. So the Twilight chapter is called Impatience, and the Midnight Sun chapter is called Ambush. So the Midnight Sun one seems like it might be self-explanatory. They're going to yeah. yeah. jump on James. Or is he going to jump them? Ooh. Now that they don't have Alice. Oh, interesting. Oh, but Edward yeah. can hear them. Yeah, he can hear him coming. Yeah. So maybe maybe they try and ambush James. Yeah. And James and he has to get away. Them? And he gets away. Yeah. 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 That checks. I, yeah, I yeah. think. Yeah, that's a good guess. And I'm yep. guessing the Twilight one, and I'm only guessing this because you said this happened last time. <laughs> Impatience is where Bella escapes from Jasper and Alice? Or is it, don't they drive, like, all the way somewhere? They go all the way to Phoenix, I'm pretty sure. Because isn't the ballet studio, like, Bella's old dance studio? Like, it's her yeah. dance studio. Yeah, and they, they don't get on an airplane, right? That's no. in New Moon. So they That's drive moon, all the way yeah. to Phoenix? Yes. Bella can dance? <laughs> no. No, she was really oh. bad at it. That's like okay. one of the points, yeah. <laughs> Got it. I was like, this doesn't track. Yeah. I, like, I also took ballet when I was a child, and you have seen me dance. I took yeah. three years of dance and broke my foot one year and my elbow the other year. So I think that <laughs> okay. gives you an indication of how it so went. You, so you are a YA protagonist. Hells <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I'm so clumsy. It's my only flaw. <laughs> Only flaw. <laughs> There's a lot of flaws anyway. That's fine. As long as they're all equally charming, you can yeah. still be a YA protagonist. I've been told they're quite only. charming. There you go. <laughs> only clumsiness. That's your only flaw. My only flaw is clumsiness. You're a very low dimensional YA protagonist. <laughs> right? I'm not like other girls. And I'm exactly. And I'm very plain looking, except to one individual who finds me beyond gorgeous. Except to every Aww. boy in high school. That is not true. <laughs> all the girls, all the girls hate you, not and true. all the boys think you're beautiful. And a vampire nope. chases you. <laughs> yep. Nope. Anyway, sounds right. Okay. Uh, yeah, that was wow. We were so good at that. I think. Yep. I don't think it. we actually guessed what happened, but it doesn't matter. That's we'll find enough. out I think, next time. I think they just drive to Phoenix. I think they're going to okay. arrive in Phoenix at I the end so of the chapter. I just feel like that seems like a lot. I mean, Yeah, that's why lot. she's impatient. I mean, sorry. That seems like not enough for a whole chapter. I feel like, doesn't she, like, the patience part comes to the fact that she's not patient and then, like, loses her shit at the end and is just <laughs> like, fuck this, I'm not putting anyone else in danger anymore, and then, like, goes off to meet James. Like, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Okay, yeah. So she's, she gives Alice and Jasper the slip. That's what, what I remember, guessing. but, okay. like, honestly, this, I am, I, I don't remember this all that clearly. Well, we'll find out we'll in two weeks out. from now. 
<laughs> and none of us will think about it until then. Yeah. Nope. Yay. <laughs> Better things to think about. Yeah. Lots of other things. Let's talk about what books we're reading. Yeah. Yay. Yay. My favorite part of the show. Yeah. I am actually, I took a break from Blackfish City to read some other stuff. And now I'm getting back into Blackfish City. I'm like halfway through. I'm going to finish it. It's pretty good. I like it. Nice. Yeah. What about you guys? I have quite a lengthy list here. (laughs) No. Don't ask me if I'm still reading The Way of Things, please. Just don't. (laughs) Okay. Sam, are you, are, are you going to finish twilight reading one chapter every two weeks before you finish way of kings i might yes actually so my plan is is i took a week off in may um yeah. right before the victoria day long weekend and we were supposed to go camping and whatever but that's obviously been all closed down because of the lockdown in ontario but i'm still keeping the time off so my plan is to like devote two days just to like knock it out because my problem <laughs> with the way of kings is that it's just so high fantasy that like my tired brain cannot handle it after a work day and then it's like i just i have to be in the right mood to read it and i'm not yeah. so there you go yeah. i had just... that same problem with priory of the orange tree it's yeah. really good but like a lot <laughs> exactly like that's the thing the way of kings is really great and i'll probably give it like five stars like it's really good it's just so dense that it's like you have to be in the right mindset to read it yeah. we're gonna release bonus episodes before we end this book if sam yeah. is not done way of kings by the time we get to chapter 24 of twilight <laughs> i should bonus hopefully be done by the we'll figure it out <laughs> okay. yeah we're gonna reread chapter 23 until sam is done way of kings oh my oh god, god. <laughs> that, that'll be incentive to finish it yeah right there <laughs> but other than that when i'm not reading the book that i should be reading i did just finish the house in the cerulean sea by Uh, tj clune which is yeah our april midlight book club of the month um but by the time this comes out we will be in may so if you're interested in reading the may book with us it is the poppy war by rf Huang. so keep that on your radar um but other than that i am currently reading cast the origins of our discontents by isabel wilkerson and the kiss quotient by helen huang which is just a cute adorable rom-com with stats like it's amazing wow it's perfect for you (laughs) i friggin love it so much i'm only like five chapters in and i'm just like this is the best so dang i'm reading that instead of the high fantasy because yeah it's easy exactly Anyways, Hannah, what are you reading? Yeah, you should read the book that I finished yesterday, which was Hench by Natalie Zena Walcott. Okay. And it was like nothing I've ever read before. It's basically about how you create your own villain, but in the most like comic book movie kind of way. Oh. It's about a woman who like works as a hench for like a temp agency she gets hired by villains to do like menial jobs and her specialty is data analysis oh cool and then she gets hurt on the job and nobody cares because she's a temp hench worker and it's just like her taking revenge on the entire system basically oh my god i love this it's brutal like incredibly violent it made me like a little sick to my stomach at some points but like i couldn't put it down it was shockingly good dang yeah and yeah like sam i also 
day before yesterday finish The House in the Cerulean Sea, which made me cry twice. And now I want to move to an island and fall in love with a mysterious man who has a bunch of magical children. That's all I want in life. (laughs) One that is specifically... Yeah, specifically... No, I haven't finished it yet. I can say the name. (laughs) Yeah. And Theodore. 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 Yeah, anybody who knows what kind of things I like and has read (laughs) The House in the Cerulean Sea would be able to guess that my favorite child was Theodore. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, both very good books. Both at very, very different ends. Yeah. Very different vibes, it feels like. Yeah, one of them was incredibly sweet and one of them was incredibly violent. (laughs) Yeah. Damn. Yeah. I'm winning this month. Every book I've read has been a winner. I love that. I love that. I love a good winning month. Yeah, so good. I'm in a book slump because I only want to read Paladin's Grace by T. Kingfisher, and mm-hmm. I have it on hold at the library, and it's still like six weeks out, and so oh, no. I can't read any other book. Uh-huh. Until then, I could just buy it for $7 on Kobo, but I know I'm just going to be <laughs> sad until it comes to me Aww. at the library. I just got the second one come through, and I'm uh, mad about it. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> yeah, let's just take a minute to appreciate libraries, though. Both Henshin, yeah, The yes. House in the Cerulean Sea were library books for me. Oh my god. Libraries so are the best thing that exists in our society, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Especially during pandemic and oh, man. infinite ebook supplies, basically. Yeah. God, yeah. this is amazing. And I love libraries. Supply. Yeah. Yeah, constant. A yeah. constant stream of audiobooks. Yep. I love it. Even when all seven holds come through at the same time i say as though i only have seven books on hold uh when seven of the 20 books i have on hold (laughs) come through all at the same time i actually have seven um and i have gotten four of them in the last two days oh my god i actually i actually got seven of them come through oh my god this week because i didn't pay attention for two days and over the course of two days seven books came through oh my god <laughs> yep yeah i actually need anyway to go postpone one of mine anyway oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you uh, <laughs> if you liked this chapter of midlight crisis consider rating and reviewing us on itunes or your podcatcher of choice you can talk to us and find fun related content on social media we are at midlight pod on facebook instagram twitter and sometimes tiktok <laughs> and all <laughs> chapters of the show thus far are available on our website midlightpod.podbean.com and on youtube and just like edward in this chapter <laughs> every day we have to shut down all of our agony to do our jobs it's <laughs> like 400 something days into a pandemic <laughs> oh, it's so dark and so true <laughs> yeah damn I hate it when Edward's relatable <laughs> it's He's, the worst like honestly I feel like we wouldn't find him as relatable if we weren't doing this during a global pandemic <laughs> yeah vampirism it's like a global pandemic <laughs> <laughs>